Alright, legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me and what a time it is to be alive, truly, because we have once again arrived at the annual Drunk Christmas episode, by far my favourite episode of the year and my YouTube ratings would indicate the same, RE last year's episode rocketing past 700 views six months later but still it's all good stuff it's all good stuff but you know where would you rather be it's the last episode of the year tools down for me you know i'm working my my muggle job during the day for the next i think i've got like a week left but make no mistake this is tools down okay this is tools down for 2021 I've got my last gig of the week on Saturday. Um, if you live in the Blue Mountains, I'm performing on some show at like the Katoomba Art Center or whatever. But dude, it is all winding down and I fucking love it. Okay. 2021. No, thank you. All right. Too much. Too much 2021 for me. I did not order this serving of 2021. Okay. So good to just good to get to the end of it, you know. If you're in Sydney or Melbourne, we've done our time, and now how good's this? How good is this? And when I say what a time to be alive, you know, a lot of the time, I I I say that, but how much do I mean it? You know, that's the real question. Obviously, you know, I try to be as genuine as I can at every turn. This is a very serious podcast where I express. Uh, my legitimate and literal views on various topics and if we accidentally have a laugh as I sort of give a 50-minute TED talk each week then yeah we can have that laugh but it's not what I'm here to do okay make no mistake I'm an academic first and a comedian second but I tell you what as far as weeks go as far as saying what a time it is to be alive today And in the last seven days, dude, it doesn't get better. I mean, last the last week we've had Ashes, Big Bash, uh, Sam Kerr dropped some pommy bloke, and that wasn't even on the radar. You know, that was just like, like Sam Kerr dropping some pommy bloke out of nowhere. That was when like. The bartender is like, sorry, I just poured these three Long Island iced teas and they actually wanted margaritas. Do you guys just want them? Do you guys just want them anyway? And it's like, so you're saying for free, completely out of nowhere, unexpected, we can have Sam Kerr leveling some stupid pom. And that can just happen while we're asleep. We can wake up to that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Okay. We will take that. We will take that. Christmas parties are in full swing as well. I went to mine on Friday. We'll cover Sam Kerr, my Christmas party, the whole thing. The whole thing. But it's the drunk Christmas episode. So cheers to the 37 blokes who watch this on YouTube and the millions who listen to the audio platform. You know, I will say I the my YouTube viewers who appreciate the restless JPEG they do have a special place in my heart just because, you know, no one no one else really watches it on YouTube. 
but also to the listeners, you know, the backbone of this organization, the big players, as in big swings. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you all. Thanks for listening this year. I'll probably do a big thank you at the end, actually, when I'm like a bit more hammered. And it'll be like, there'll be tears, you know, it'll be a whole thing. I'll be wearing a frock. It'll be like the Oscars, dude. It'll be like the Oscars. So thanks to everyone for a great year. You know, it's silly season now. Dude, I had such a good week last week. Someone had to remind me that Christmas is actually still in 10 days. Like, that's how good of a week I had, dude. It's just great. I mean, I just love the word. Do you know what it is? Do you know what I love about the silly season? Anything I want to do, whatever it is. Oh, geez, Bill, maybe you shouldn't do that. It's a Tuesday. Silly season, unlocked. That's it. Guilt-free pleasure. You know, bad habits. Let them all in. Demons at the door. Open up the gates, you know. This freaking office worker's out here doing doing half a bag on a Tuesday and they're like, oh, it's the silly season, you know. I love, I love people describing doing hard narcotics as silly, okay. It's sensational energy. Sensational energy. By far my favorite month of the year, December. And I don't think it's even close. I mean, I got January as a close second. But as far as like any months during the middle of the year thinking they can compete with the big dogs, here's a heads up. You can't, okay? Also, while we're here, people who identify as winter people, what's doing, okay? What are you honestly thinking and feeling? You know, people who are like, oh, my favorite, my favorite season, I love to be uh, all rugged up inside with pumpkin soup and a good book. And it's like, hey, buddy, you can do that in summer without a coat. Don't come out, okay? Don't come outside in December and January because I don't think you can handle the heat, all right? So really, I mean, what is doing? And while we're also here, and to be fair, I don't even understand the origins of like this concept, But Christmas in July, what is with that? Why do people do that? Like, I don't understand. I'm not sure if there's some historical meaning behind it. Maybe like, I don't know, when England invaded Barbados, it was July and they just had Turkey anyway. I'm not sure what the backstory is. But as far as like Christmas in July, oh, it's snowing. Oh, we want a snowy Christmas. Okay, that's cool. Well, go get yourself a green card and move to Iowa because this is Australia, dude. And Christmas is 32 degrees with a side serving of shut the fuck up and have a beer. All right. I fucking love Aussie Christmas like so much, like so much. It's without a doubt the greatest thing on the planet. Oh, my God. I am pumped. So pumped. Um, It's pretty obvious I've had a few beers before sort of firing the old camera up, but... It is the drunk Christmas episode. So, you know what I mean? That's just how it is, babe. But, so, before we sort of crack into things, so I've got, I've got a couple of stories from the week that was, RE My Christmas Party, and I did Neil Cole Hatka's show the other night. We have a story there. 
And then I want to briefly touch on Sam Kerr, you know, as as any major league soccer player in the women's league would say, I want to briefly touch on Sam Kerr. Obviously, my intentions are nowhere near as blue as, as theirs, um, but I'd like to briefly discuss her heroics. And then, uh, and then I've got, I put up on my Instagram story, just fucking ask me anything. And, um, and then we'll sort of crack into those. And also I'm recording this on the Tuesday night. I traditionally record Wednesday mornings, um, but obviously it's a drunk episode. So had to record Tuesday night, but Thursday, I don't know what the date is today. I think it's the 14th, I want to say. Thursday the 16th or whenever this podcast comes out, I'm going to do an Instagram live at 6 p.m. just to fuck around a little bit and and just give a bit of a send-off to anyone who wants to tune in and take a few questions or whatever. I personally am terrified of Instagram live after what happened last time, but I'm willing to give it another go. And finally, finally, finally... Before I move any further in this podcast, it is time for the annual reminder that there is the greatest Christmas television show on the planet available for your viewing right now. And that is A Moody Christmas. Okay? It's Australian-made, Australian actors, funniest, funniest Christmas show ever. Maybe one of the funniest Australian comedies of all time. Obviously, I think we can all agree that Kath and Kim, for mine, are pretty untouchable in that regard. But a moody Christmas, if you love a summer Aussie Christmas, this is like, this is it. Like, it, the acting, the writing, it is, it is so fucking good, dude. It is so good. So, it's on a stand right now. A moody Christmas. I'm telling you, it's only six episodes that go for about 25 minutes each. If you listen to this podcast for you know more than a year or whatever, since last Christmas, you know I absolutely fucking ride for this show. I think it's so good. I cannot believe it's not like well-known in the Australian zeitgeist or the ether or whatever, whatever people on fucking Reddit say, grow up, you fucking nerds. But, but I'm telling you, this is the greatest show. It's unbelievable. And while we're here, finally, 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 before we sort of crack in, uh, Hottest 100 voting open today, I saw. Dude, you know my policy. Vote local. Vote local, okay? Olivia Rodrigo is the favorite. Actually, I think Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy are the favorite with Stay. I absolutely froth on stay, so I got no qualms with anyone here voting for it because obviously the kid Leroy is fucking homegrown. But as like Olivia Rodrigo is about to go and play stadiums all across the world. She does not need your help, okay? She's going to be just fine whether she comes first or second or 74th in the hottest 100, okay? But the Australian artists you know and love, give them a vote because you could really change their careers. Dude, Amy Shark was playing at your fucking local pub until she came second on the Hottest 100. Okay? So vote local. Get around these goddamn Aussie artists. I'm so pumped up on like just... I'm just high on life right now. Also, I'm drunk. So that's obviously what it is. But 
But I'd like to think I'm high on Australian culture. That would be more admirable, I think. <laughs> oh, dude, I miss my ex-girlfriend so much. But anyway, let's crack in. Um, so first story of the podcast is... And I don't have like story stories. They're not like long crankers because I didn't. I wanted to like take everyone's submissions at the end. So, Neil Kolhatka, famous Australian comedian, great bloke, um, etc. He does a show each week called Neil and Friends. You can go on that, do a bit of stand up, and then you do those line games that you see on, um, you know, uh, TikTok and Instagram Reels, where it's like you know. I think the one we did was things retail workers never say or like, you know, stuff like, you know, what uh, they did one just the other day I saw. It was like things Dan Andrews and things Dan Andrews would say in a press conference and uh, and the bedroom or something like that. Just It's like bang, 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 bang. Like just real like everyone gets a go at it. It's pretty funny. And so I got to do his show again. Always a pleasure. And dude, I tell you what, this isn't much of a story, but I tell you what, okay? So I'm uh, I'm doing so th- basically there's three stand-up comedians in the first half of the show. It was me, Will Gibb, and this woman by the name of Jess Fuchs, I think is how you say that. But it it doesn't sound great, but um anyway. So it was good. Uh I was closing the first bracket, 10 minutes of stand-up comedy stylings. By yours truly. And, you know, people were saying the crowd was a bit, bit cossy, cossy, so so, okay? I did Italian in year eight. I don't know if you can tell. But I just thought, whatever, dude, because everyone was doing so much crowd work before I went on that it was like, it wasn't really on the cards for me to talk to anyone because everyone had already been talked to. And it's such a momentum killer. Um, if you like try to crowd work someone and they've like already been talked to by the host, but you weren't there and you didn't know and you, so you might go on like third and let's say the host has already talked to them, but I didn't know. Then you go, Oh, hi, what's your name? And then the host has already asked them at the start of the show. Oh, Hey, what do you do for a living? And then I come out, you know, three acts later and I say, Oh, hi, what did you do for a living? Everyone's like, She's a fucking plumber. We're sick of this shit. Like, Jesus. And so everyone was um, everyone was doing crowd work. And obviously, you know, riff sit A, I also enjoy doing crowd work. And they're filming the shows. So, you know, I put out a lot of material this year. I don't really want to put out any more. In fact, I definitely don't want to. So I thought, I tell you what, if I get on one here, I'm just going to start talking to the crowd and chase a clip. But then... It just got to the point where like the previous three acts had all talked to the crowd and I was like, ah, it's probably gone. So people were coming off being like, oh, crowd's cossy, cossy, so, so. And I thought, I don't really give a fuck because I'm just going to do my material no matter what because that's like the only option I see. So I thought I'm just going to hit them with 10 minutes of the fucking bricks, mortar and everything else. You know what I mean? So went out there and just thought, give them the business. And I do my first joke. And it goes pretty well. And then I'm doing my second joke. And it's like a three-minute bit. And like the biggest punchline is like two minutes in. It's like probably a two-minute bit. Two and a half. Whatever. So just so I'm about to hit this big punchline, 
this fucking guy, dude. And it's like maybe a 50-person room. Everyone's like right up to the stage. This guy sits back down at the table and just starts talking to his bird. And I'm like, and it's one of those things where, here's the thing. He's talking loud enough. All the crowd can hear. And I can hear as well. And it's just like, I know, like, and you can just see people's faces turn. As soon as you see the crowd crowd faces turn, you like, it's, whether it's a waitress delivering food, whether someone's dropped a glass, whether, you know, something's happening in the hallway, whether some stupid prick is talking to his bird after coming back from the bar. As soon as you see their faces turn, you you don't have their full attention and you you it's not on. Okay, you can do you can continue doing what you're doing and march through it. But also I'm not really built that way, you know what I mean? Like I don't like I don't think it should be on the performer to push through you asking your fucking stupid girlfriend where you parked. You know what I mean? So then so I'm like and I'm try I'm I'm working towards I'm just still doing my my material but I he's talking so loud and I just go nah okay I go mate what I go mate how you going welcome back and he said yeah I'm just been at the bar and I'd look at him and it's like business shirt slick back hair you know half a half a can of petroleum oil he's just swung past his local BP service station on the way to the gig you know, he's got those stupid Oscar Wiley designer frames. And then he and then I look down and it's a vodka pineapple. It's a vodka pineapple on a fucking Thursday, dude. Like what I'm just and I'm just seeing red. I'm seeing red. Like I can't handle this guy. Like he's just so arrogant. He's talking so loudly through through my performance. And I've I've only been up there for like three minutes and I'm doing well. So it's like, what's doing? And so I said, how you going, mate? I wasn't too aggressive, wasn't, you know, but I had murderous thoughts. And then so I said, how you going, mate? I said, blah, 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 whatever. Nothing too bad. So okay, cool, cool, cool. Get back into my joke. And he, he, like, he ruined it. Like, the rhythm is very important, okay? Rhythm is very important. Get back into my joke. Do the big punchline, best punchline the whole bit. It kind of goes okay, and I just go, oh, you fucking piece of shit. I said, mate, that would have done so much better if it wasn't for you. I said, I swear to God. But then also, like, crowds don't really like it when you just tee off on someone unnecessarily, you know, because most people can't hear him talking, and it's bothering me a million times more than it's bothering anyone else. So, you know, it, and, and also, my set was fine after that. It was fine. You know, I just had to work a little bit harder. But I don't know, dude. I feel like just the disrespect for for comedy is just out of this world. But yeah, at the end, I, I said hi to him at the end. He was actually a pretty good bloke. Like he came up to me to apologize. And I obviously like a coward said, mate, don't even worry about it. No stress at all. So <laughs> so that's that, you know what I mean? But um, but that guy sucked. Worst guy ever. And he he talked like twice more through my set. And I was just like, I was just like on the edge. Because you've only got like 10 minutes, you know? So that was pretty average. But um, great show otherwise. I did have a really fun time. Anyway, actually, before... I feel like I was way too aggressive in that last bit. But against my better judgment, I'm just going to do a quick little tequila shot. Just... um. You know, to stay true to the the medium we are all engaging in right now, re the drunk Christmas pod.
So, Charles, we're drinking some beautiful Sierra tequila. It's the one with the cowboy hat. It's just like the cheapest one you can get at Liquor Land. And um, Macca bought it. So, thank you, Macca. Oh. No chaser. No chaser. Did not think ahead. Did not go to the shops. So, work Christmas party on the Friday. Now, I've got a pretty shocking admission to make. And this is going to be tough to say. But, you know, it was, you know, I work in a big office and it was like a big, you know, head office, hundreds of people there, really nice bar in the city. I didn't really know what to wear. Now, you've got two options in this house when it comes to not knowing what to wear. One, you've got Macca, the undefeated goat, um, you know, possibly one of the greatest uh, session lords we've ever met. Um, you know, just he's an artist first and foremost, and by that I mean he's a genuine rat bag. Okay, so if you're looking for smart casual, I'd look elsewhere. If you want a party shirt you can wear to Splendor in the Grass, then yeah, go to Macca. So obviously, we got Adzi here, um, probably, you know, probably the best sword in the house, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, I think Maka, yeah, he's there, he's there or thereabouts, but yeah, Adzi's probably the best sort. Obviously, Adzi's the only one with a genuine girlfriend in the house. Uh, so went straight to him and I have to shockingly admit that on Friday at around 9.37 AM, this is Friday, I don't know what date, but it was in December last Friday as I'm recording this today. I ironed and buttoned up a white Ralph Lauren polo, not polo, button-up shirt. A white Ralph Lauren button-up shirt. I am a coward. I am a beta male. I am less than. Um, I pretty much stand for everything that is directly opposed to the white Ralph Lauren button-up. You know, I, I aggressively stand against looking like every single other bloke at the pub. I aggressively stand against, you know, these absolute clones walking around out there. I I stand against the whole idea of fashion, you know? Even though I wear Connie's with the fucking cut-off jeans and I'm blatantly a slave to the trade. But I tell you what, if everyone's wearing one thing, fucking, oh, I like to steer clear traditionally, okay? But on Friday, I did in fact wear a white Ralph Lauren button-up, and I'm a disgrace to this podcast and what we've all built together here. Uh, I'm a disgrace to my mother and father. They definitely didn't raise me that way. And I'm a disgrace to, uh, for every photo that I took in that, in that beautiful shirt. Uh, and I'll be honest, I looked a million bucks, and that was the worst part. Okay, that was the worst part. When I looked in the mirror and thought, fucking hell, Bill, you don't look too bad here. That was the moment that really sank in that I had in fact sold my soul and traded who I was as a person in exchange for, you know, social credit points. In exchange for the 53-year-old women I work with telling me I looked handsome and or smart. So I just wanted to come clean. I didn't want you guys to hear from like the Daily Mail or... Just in case I, you know, some paparazzi saw me in the CBD, 
I did in fact wear a white, white Ralph Lauren button up and <clears throat> oh, I'm choking up. I'm choking up. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I am normally secondhand party shirts until I die and or sunnies and bucket hat, but I didn't have anything that fit the dress code. I've only got, I've either got wedding suit into session with the lads and I've got no gears, dude. I have zero range in my wardrobe. Okay. All I have is zero or 10, nothing in between. And you know, I, the only time I wear a suit is to like the races twice a year and maybe cricket presentations when I used to play. Okay. I've still got like that seven-year-old energy when you like, you know, when you dress like a seven-year-old up in a suit and they just can't wait to get out of it. That's kind of me, you know? So I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm an absolute disgrace and uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way. But um, the Christmas party, you know, good times. I will say open bar, um, just an absolute, just a great time. It was one of those parties where like everyone from like my company is owned by like a huge company. So there was all these, you know, 90% of the people at the party you never even met. It's like a thousand people there. But the good news for me is that my three best friends at work are three of the hottest chicks you'll ever come across. So... I think everyone at the party thought I was like cool or something or like, like a few of the, a few of the older ladies were like, Oh, geez, look at you. You, you do pretty all right for yourself. And it's like, I'm definitely in the friend zone with all three of these women. But, but also I didn't say that I was taking compliments left and right. So, you know, it was a fucking good time to be honest. And we had one of those DJs where it's like, you know, when you go to like a wedding or like a Christmas party or this sort of stuff and we're one of those DJs where it's like, he's got the full decks and the headphones and the whole thing, but he's just sort of playing horrendous tunes with no real, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever DJs do. Um, I mean, I was, I was freaking in a white Ralph Lauren button up. I felt like I dead said could have got behind the decks myself. You know, call me fucking Declan, brother, because I'm just another, I'm just another clone walking around the pub with vodka Red Bulls and a pocket full of Coke, hoping to win your affection. You know, I was a mainstream loser on Friday night. I apologize. But anyway, it was one of these guys where it's like, he's got like $5,000 worth of equipment. And then he was just playing like the Macarena. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what, like, mate, I could save you $4,000. Here's my iPod Nano from year eight. Go fucking nuts. You know what I mean? Also, on closer inspection, brother, you are 43 years old. So, and also, obviously, I requested a few songs of this guy. He was absolutely lovely and did not deserve that spray. But you know what I mean? I don't deal in justice. I just deal in fucking charisma. So, you know what I mean? That's how it is. Especially on the drunk Christmas episode. Fuck, I hope I can release this. I'll tell you what. I'm feeling touch and go on this. But anyway, so great day, great, great night. Went um back to Manly, my hometown, afterwards. Um, awesome times. Now here's a new play. This is one we've not seen before. So I did kiss a girl on the lips at the pub afterwards. I must come clean. And this is I know this is horrifically blue for this podcast, but I did kiss her on the lips in the covid era 
And I'm only thinking, oh, Bill, you're probably filled to the brim with Omicron and Delta variants right now. And you'd be right to think that. But here's what I did, okay? Because I was at the bar and in Sydney, you still have to uh, wear your mask at the bar, like when you order. And firstly, if you live in like Perth or Brisbane or Adelaide, I know this is like the dumbest thing you've ever heard, but this is how it honestly is in Sydney. So in Sydney, you can like do whatever you want in the pub, but when you go to the bar, you have to put your mask back on. And they're like, they're on you on this dude. They're like on you. So I go to the bar and this girl I was talking to, she had like, she had like the red dress, red lipstick. She looked like a fucking Colgate ad. You know what I mean? You know when chicks just really go for it with the red and, uh, you know, most of the, I tell you what, you're either looking like a period commercial or a Colgate ad. And this chick looked like a Colgate ad because she's quite, quite physically attractive. So, um, here's the thing. So I was talking to her and then I put my mask on, but then we, she sort of leaned in and I thought, well, actually, uh, my first thought was take your mask off. But then I thought, do you want to die? That was my next thought. Okay. For the sake of the story, this was my next thought. At the time, I was absolutely, get me a ham sandwich because I'm, I'm fucking out to lunch, dude. Okay. Honestly, put it in your diary four weeks in advance because you are getting lunch with your family, okay? Ham sandwiches all around. I was nowhere. Cody, nowhere. And she sort of leaned in and I, I said, oh my, and then I leaned in, gentleman's peck with the mask on, okay? And obviously, we got Miss Colgate over here. So now, here's the thing. Not only do I not have COVID, okay? There's your first thing. Not only have I got these social credits from kissing a beautiful woman on the lips however brief it was re gentleman's peck and also you can't really put the tongue in when you got a mask on (laughs) dude if you're hooking up with a chick with a mask on you must have like the wildest tongue in town dude you must be fucking straight out of the favelas if you're hooking up with a chick with a mask on fucking good on you and then also because she was miss colgate she's got the red lipstick so I've got this lipstick mark on my COVID mask. So now when I'm at the bar and I've got these, I've got the lip marks on my mask, everyone else at the pub knows that I'm like some sort of a, uh, you know, an Orlando Bloom character or maybe Gaz from Geordie Shore, you know, like this is hard evidence that I have previously at an undisclosed time kissed a girl on the lips. So you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's ticking a lot of boxes. I would encourage everyone to kiss people on the lips uh, with masks, no tongue. And make sure they've got beautiful red lipstick on. Otherwise, it's kind of like a waste of time. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's pretty shit house. But, but yeah, but the funny thing was, she came back like 40 minutes later and her lipstick was like all over her face and mouth. It was like someone, like, I don't know what had happened. And she was like, I just hooked up with this guy. And I was like, my God, he definitely does not subscribe to the Billy Darcy gentleman's peck via the mask. Because I tell you what, I tell you what, maybe I barely kissed her at the bar. But I tell you what, this next bloke, whoever came into contact with Miss Colgate, he had definitely more conviction than I did because he's given her an absolute washing machine number, dude. My God, it looked like she fucking got shot with a, a clown makeup gun. There was just red everywhere. So, 
You know what I mean? There's different there's different breeds of bloke out there, and some of them have more self confidence than I do. That's that's for damn sure. But anyway, okay. I don't know how this thing's going, but we're gonna fucking keep on trucking. I would not want to be Billy Darcy editing this thing tomorrow. I'll say that. So just quickly, and then we will get into the wonderful questions everyone has sent in. So here's the thing, dude. Sam Kerr. Now everyone says she's the greatest female soccer player in Australian history. She came third in the Ballon d'Or this year. I honestly believe Sam Kerr. I was going to say, what is her real name? Is it Samantha? Are some girls just Sam? Because I'm just Billy. Okay. Okay. We'll sort of look into that later. But Sam Kerr, dude, this bird is dead set the second coming of Christ. That's what I honestly believe. I think soccer is dead set the fucking tip of the iceberg with this bird. I think we could easily live in a world in 50 years or 30 years. How old is Sam Kerr? Whatever, dude. I reckon at some point in the future, Sam Kerr could, without a doubt, be the Prime Minister of this great nation. Okay? I mean, what the fuck is going on with this chick? Like, I don't understand how Australia produced... Like, we have produced sensational footballers. And I guess this is just another one. But it's like, this is crazy, dude. Like, the week before... The week before she fucking knocked over this random pommy bloke. And I'll get into this absolute bloody... I'll get into him later, okay? But the week before, right, she was one-on-one with the keeper and hit some mad chip from, like, the edge of the box. Just absolutely embarrassed the keeper. And then she hits the celly. It's a backflip at the corner post. It's like, what the fuck is going on? I love it, okay? I love it. And if you've, if you've ridden with the podcast for a long time, I think episode 30 was called, like, it was called like Sam Kerr something or like there was that one time where she told like some reporter was like, oh, everyone like wrote the Australian team off and didn't think you guys would do well in this tournament. And she said, well, they can all suck shit. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. Just fucking just say it. Just say it. Like what is going to happen? What the fuck is honestly going to happen if you just say what you actually think? nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing okay and i love i love sam kerr from then that was like two years ago but then i i never like watched the matildas really ever until the olympics obviously we we're in lockdown in sydney and i ride for anyone doing anything for australia so i was like oh let's watch the matildas and then i and that really the first time i watched the matildas this year i was like wait what these chicks are like electric like, no one told me that these chicks were, like, unbelievable. So, it's, like, it's unreal. But then, but then, but then, but then, you think, well, you know, Bill, can't get much better than that. So, she plays for Chelsea, and some fucking, some guy, some pommy son of a bitch has marched onto the field, pitch invader, in the Chelsea versus whoever they were playing Premier League game last week okay and this is why i hate this guy firstly pom secondly he was on the pitch you know most streakers worth their salt have the common courtesy to get undressed before they grace the field okay now call me old school okay call me old school 
But I think if you're going to invade the pitch, you should at the very least have your genitals out. Okay, maybe that's just the way I was raised. But I think, honestly, if we, you know, last time I checked, we live, this is democracy, yeah? Okay, and if you want to invade the pitch fully clothed, and this guy was like wearing like shoes and a jacket. Make no mistake, if you invade the pitch fully clothed, let alone with shoes on and a fucking jacket, you are a fucking, <laughs> you're, I, I don't have the words, dude, but you are a coward like we've not seen before. Okay, and then this stupid, oh, so he gets on the pitch fully clothed, which is obviously already a disgrace, okay, if you're going to get banned from the stadium forever, make it count, you fucking loser, but then he's on the pitch, and instead of like running around, because obviously there's not much security at these women's Premier League games, judging by the freaking three fat blokes who ran on after him. But obviously, there's not too much security. You know, they're not expecting pitch invaders at a women's game, I guess. I'm not sure. But he was just walking around and he was taking like an Instagram video being like, hey, I'm on the pitch at the Chelsea game. Hey, look at me. And he was just walking around and he wasn't like running or anything. And do you know why I hate this so much? Is because he only did that because it's a chick's game. He would never, ever, ever have done that at a men's game because he'd be worried about getting flogged by one of the players. But this piece of shit just thought he was above the law and he thought none of these chicks would do anything about it. And then here we come. Enter Sam Kerr. Hit the celly, babe. Let's see that backflip again. So she she just runs up and, you know, Sam Kerr, she's a purveyor of culture, okay? She's an Australian hero. And you don't just become an Australian hero without observing the history of this great nation, Okay? So she's seen the bloke come on. He's carrying on like a pork chop. I'd like to think immediately in her head, she just goes, bam, Andrew Simons. What what was it? It was probably 2007, I want to say. 2007. I would like to think she just went, Simo, bang, I'll sort this out. And so she just runs up and levels the bloke. Okay. The old, the old Aussie hip and shoulder. Okay. That's what we call the fucking St. Kilda, how you going? All right, I don't like AFL, but I tell you what, I respect the hits. And my God, it was put on. It was put on by Sam Kerr. And it's like, what What can this chick not do? You know, she's freaking a great role model, best player in the world, super exciting. And also, it matters if you're exciting on the field. It totally matters. Ellie Carpenter, the CEO of EPO. You know, I, only, I freaking love her, but it's because she's like, she guns it. Okay, it matters what you do on the field. And and then on top of all of that, Sam Kerr, like any reputable Australian sports icon, she's dating some chick who's a 10 out of 10 blonde. I mean, Sam Kerr ticks boxes for a living. Australian of the Year is coming out, coming up in January. I wouldn't mind seeing her at the very least get nominated. Podium finish, third in the Ballon d'Or. I'd like to see her go a little bit higher. In Australian of the Year, I would. All right, so just had to get another drink. We are out of beers, but I'm on the tequila sodas now, my new drink of choice. So I think it's kind of like a vodka soda, but as I've said previously, it gives you that Mexican pep in your step. So, oh, camera's running out of battery. 
slightly. This is going to be a long one because I completely forgot I have to talk about the Ashes. Obviously, I have to talk about the Ashes. But anyway, I've got the beautiful send-ins we had this week. Bit of an ask me anything. Charles. Here's a funny story, actually. On last year's drunk Christmas episode, I said Charles. Like, I was obviously hammered. Mate, the boys were saying Charles for like six months. Like, I, it was it was relentless. Like, I regret... That was the main thing I regret saying last year. Charles. Like, I was obviously mucking around, but once you give these lads a sniff, it's over. You know what I mean? So anyway, got some questions for me to answer here. Oh, this is the first question. How many times have you been sacked? Okay, it's a good question. I've been sacked probably four to five plus times. But I know that sounds bad, but I've worked like a shitload of jobs. Like I've worked, I've worked since I was 14 and I've always had a job. Always. And I've done like everything and anything, you know what I mean? And they've all been horrendous. So I was first sacked from Maccas. I was there when I was like 15. But what happened was I was making a sweet chili chicken wrap for a one of our loyal customers at Mackey D's. And, you know, you got, your, you got your bloody plastic gloves on, hygiene away or whatever. What I completed the wrap, send that down the line, and I realized, holy shit, my left index finger is absolutely smothered in beautiful sweet chili sauce. So I thought, fuck, there's no one around. I'm going to fucking lick this. You know, this is slave labor at Macca's. I haven't had a meal since 1974. So I licked it and I turn around and my manager was there. I mean, manager. This is such a Macca's manager. The guy was like 29, balding, lip ring and eyebrow ring, business shirt, knock tucked in, sloppy rig and just an absolute cunt. Okay, just a real Macca's manager. And he goes to me, he goes, are you fucking serious? And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, you are on probation. This is your last warning. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Anyway, the f- the forthcoming school holidays, I didn't fancy working too much because the school holidays when you're 15, I mean, really, dude, the dogs are out, back gates open, this sort of stuff. And I was a late bloomer. I didn't even drink when I was 15, but I just wanted to sort of play Ratchet and Clank and go to the beach. So uh, I told them I broke my arm and I wasn't going to be able to work the whole school holidays, right? Up here, up here for thinking, down there for dancing. Anyway, unfortunately, in the second week of school holidays, I forgot that I worked at this Macca's and I popped in for a double cheeseburger. You know, we we're on the way home. It was one of these sort of things. And unfortunately, when I ordered my double beef and bacon meal, I actually unknowingly revealed that I had, in fact, not broken my arm. And so I was swiftly fired. Um, Some people would say that was justified. Okay, those people have their reasons and I respect them. I personally think I was hard done by. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) oh man. Yeah, so that was the first time I was sacked. And then I've been sacked fucking shitload since, to be honest. Got sacked from Spartan Cricket. I was working in the cricket store for Spartan. they They were quite a reputable brand. They sponsored David Warner for a little bit. And I was fired because I didn't get on with the uh, in the boss with the boss or whatever. 
there was so funny. We used to play office cricket at Spartan Cricket, and like this this multi millionaire boss would like literally try his hardest. Um, I can't remember his name. It was something. It was Indian, so I don't want to like I don't want to like fuck it up, obviously, um, respectfully. But I can't remember his name. It's like, uh, don't worry about it. But anyway, he would like try his hardest in office cricket and he would like get pissed off if you got him out. He was like a full on child. And I answered the phones and like all I would all I would answer all day is like creditors and like Mercedes Benz finance and like we need to speak to I think it was Keneal. Keneal, we need to speak to Keneal. We need to speak to Keneal. He's dodging us. We need to speak to Keneal. And Keneal fired me because he thought my lunch breaks were too long. He thought I should be taking 10 minutes for lunch. And it's like, dude, this isn't fucking downtown wherever the fuck, okay? This isn't child labor laws. You shouldn't have opened a, an exclusively cricket store, okay? There's no customers. I'm taking my allotted half hour for lunch as per New South Wales Fair Trade. He wanted me to take no lunch breaks. So I was fired from there. But then the, the joke was on him because he got done for tax evasion. Had to fl- he had to flee to like Mumbai or London or something. And now Spartan Australia doesn't even fucking exist anymore. So who won that battle? You know what I mean? I mean, probably not me because I haven't really sort of kicked on since. But I think it's a draw. I think we could probably call a draw on that one. Next question. What is the worst joke you have made on stage that just got absolute crickets? Okay. I mean, what is the the joke I made that got absolute crickets. I mean, I mean, how many times has a priest been to church? I mean, I could go through the fucking archives for you. I'll tell you that. Um, I've bombed a lot, but one recently, I'll, I'll say a recent one because I feel like the first like three years, I mean, you're just working it out. So this one recently that I said, I, I actually mentioned it on the pod. I had this eating disorder bit. And crowds were kind of battling me on it, but I like it was kind of like 50-50. I think we went back into lockdown or something. I just lost interest in it. But it was like I would tell this joke and like a couple, like I would say a third of the audience would laugh and two-thirds would be like, oh, what the fuck? You know, it wasn't like well-received. And it was pretty dark, even though I thought it was like ob- sort of objectively worked as a joke. But... I just sort of lost interest in it because it's like, I'm not really up there for like, oh, oh, you know what I mean? I'm there to melt the paint off the fucking walls. Like I want to like do well. I want everyone to laugh. So I'm not really in for like saying, you know, heaps dark stuff for the sake of it. But I had this eating disorder joke where I was seeing a girl who had an eating disorder at the time. She just told me about it. Like, I don't know, we went on like two dates and Great girl, lovely girl. And she, she like sort of told me she had an eating disorder. And and then the next week she sent me a nude. And the joke goes like, it was like, oh, I didn't really know what to respond because like she just told me she had an eating disorder. But at the same time, like she did look good. So it's like, uh, you know, so I responded like, hey, you look so hot. But also if you want to put on six to seven kilos, I'm still into it. And then she responded, she goes, what about 10 kilos? And I said, well, let's not get crazy. Okay, so I was like pretty, it was pretty on the nose. It was kind of like a little bit. And I would say like a third of the crowd laughed at it, but it was like, I was happy to leave it. Like most people fucking hated it. (laughs) I did it like three or four times because I would never just abandon a joke the first time. And I thought it was kind of funny, but maybe it wasn't, I don't know. 
but it was like too much hassle and it was only like a one minute bit and it's like dude this isn't my hill to die on eating disorders you know this isn't like i'm not passionate about this i don't really believe in this so it was like like people were blowing up like people were not enjoying it i only did it like three times or like three gigs but people did not love it so i was just like oh whatever fuck it all right next question why is Sydney better than Melbourne? Look, it's pretty easy, babe. Sydney is better than Melbourne because we have this thing in the sky called the sun. Okay? Now, this thing, uh, it actually is pretty key to our solar system for any Melbourne listeners. Um, it provides life. I, don't, I know I'm blowing your mind right now. And just our beaches. I mean, get a fucking grip, Melbourne. I love how Melbourne says it's the most livable city in the world and St. Kilda Beach is like it's poster beach. It's like, honestly, get a grip. You got no waves and no women down there. What are you doing? Of course, Sydney's better than Melbourne. Okay. Beaches, sun. And I know people from Melbourne are like, but we have Revolver and it's open till midday, three days from now. And it's like, people of Melbourne, wrap your head around the fact that other capital cities in this country have drugs and clubs, okay? We've all got it, all right? We've got, just because Revolver's open till fucking 10 a.m., we've got clubs in Sydney that are open till 10 a.m., okay? I'm just trying to think of one, Sash Sundays. There you go. They do fucking breakfast at Sash Sundays, so don't get in my face with that stuff, okay? So, Melbourne, back in your box, you're south of the border, motherfuckers. Sydney, the harbour city. Next question. As the Minister for Ladriculture, what legislation will you bring to the next election? Hmm. That is a good question. I would say as the Minister of Ladriculture, right, head of the Department of Ladriculture, I would say, firstly, all noise complaints are illegal. Okay? As long as they're... I would say, as long as noise complaints aren't too regular, noise complaints are illegal, and the people that make them get the death penalty. That is my first policy. Secondly, under the Get More Lads In scheme, any share house with four or more lads will have their rent subsidized by the government. And by subsidized, I mean we will pay all of your rent, okay? Sharehouse culture is the backbone of this economy and this culture, okay? So I think that's the key. That will be my two launching pads as I endeavor to become, you know, prime minister or whatever higher honors, fucking bullshit, whatever. Next question. Is it weird to buy my crazy ex-girlfriend's dad a birthday present? I absolutely love that guy. Yeah, dude. It's fucking weird as shit. Don't be that guy. You know when like an ex-girlfriend is like, but I still get along so well with your mum. We're like sisters. And it's like, no, you're fucking not. My mum has two sisters, okay? She doesn't need to keep in touch with some chick from Brisbane, I dated for two weeks, okay? You know what I mean? It's one of these things where it's like, just let it go. Just let, don't be that guy. Don't be like, don't try and get in with the ex via 
via their parents. That's like the wormiest way back. Hey, I know we said we wouldn't talk anymore, but I just wanted to see how your dad enjoyed that Ryobi chainsaw I bought him for his birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to get back with you. I just want to know how your dad enjoyed the chainsaw. Just let it go, dude. It's totally fine. I've never really had a girlfriend who was like super close with my mum. So I've never had to deal with this. But I've had, I've had like... I've had like multiple female friends tell me this stuff, which is really an indictment on you because it was a bloke who sent this in. But it's like, I've had multiple female friends be like, but her, like his mom and I are soul sisters. It's like, well, well, guess what? Like grow up. It's over. You know what I mean? All right. Next question. Santa versus the rock fight scenario. North Pole terrain and on Boxing Day. Now, this is fucking electric. Um, So, traditionally, I would say North Pole terrain, we're backing Santa in at all costs. You know, The Rock, he's big, he's juiced up, you know, but but he'll slip over and then Santa can just go nuts. And Santa's probably got the weight advantage, RE, that gut. So, I don't think The Rock's going to be able to take him down. But here's what I love about The Rock engaging in this one. Boxing Day, okay? Santa is going to be exhausted. He's just been all over the world. In 24 hours, this guy has delivered to every fucking house in the world. And then the next day, he's got to fight Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I love the scheduling for The Rock. I think it's very strategic. I mean, I still, I mean, it's very hard to bet against Santa on his home ground, isn't it? Ah. Has The Rock just had a box office hit? That's what I'd love to know. If The Rock has just had a box office hit, maybe Fast and Furious 27 or Jumanji 32 or just some really nameless rom-com with Kevin Hart that no one's ever going to see and his shoulders are back from, from the box office success even though what he's doing to cinema is a disgrace, I think then maybe I'd back in The Rock. If the And The Rock usually has blockbusters released on Boxing Day. I'll say this. I'll say this. If Santa, obviously it's his home turf. If The Rock has not had a blockbuster released on Boxing Day or the seven days previous, I'm backing Santa. If The Rock has just had, you know, Hurricane 43 or whatever garbage he's trotting out release on Boxing Day and it's like it's had a huge day, then yeah, I'd back The Rock. Okay, I would back The Rock. All right, next question. How do I tell girls I listen to Get Around Me without turning them on instantly? Great question. Great question. And this is a big one. So, and this is a this is a significant problem out in the world. Sometimes you will tell a girl, hey, they're like, what are you interested in? You go, oh, I listen to Get Around Me every week. And then it's just like, you almost can't engage in a conversation because they're so turned on by the fact you're an avid listener of you know the lads podcast of 2021 here's what i would say i mean how do you think i feel i've obviously you know vaguely produced this podcast so i'm sort of associated with it some would say here's what i would say i would say when when girls inevitably say and let's be honest girls everywhere love get around me okay i would say there's probably not a not a girl between the age of 18 to 25 who doesn't 
avidly listen to get around me. But let's say, let's say, you know, for the sake of it, if you tell them you're a weekly listener, you're blatantly, it's going to be a huge issue. I would say, tell them you're a casual listener. Say, get around me. Yeah, I've caught the odd episode. Okay. I've caught the odd episode. And that's just, that's going to manage her excitement levels to a point where you can sort of, you know, you can sort of digest the situation a bit better because I, I have had this situation where, you know, 22 year old girls, are, your podcast changed my life. You know, before I listened to Get Around Me, I never knew how to be a toxic male. Now, now I have the blueprint, you know? So it is a genuine problem, there's no doubt. And I'm treating it with that sort of seriousness. I think that's very clear. But but yeah, I would say just, just barely admit you're a casual listener. And when she brings up references, you obviously know um, because you're both you know, like anyone worth their salt, listen weekly, pretend to miss a couple, you know, if she says big players take big swings, be like, what, what, you know, just this sort of stuff, if she says, what a time to be alive, just be like, is it, is it really, you know, throw her off the scent a little bit, I would say that's, that's your best option, that is your best option, but anyway, final question, Dude, I don't even know if I'm going to release this, to be honest. I'm fucked. But here's hoping. We'll listen to this tomorrow and see who's who. Here's hoping. Anyway, final question. Oasis albums. Do you prefer... Do you prefer... Definitely, maybe, or what's the story? Morning Glory. What's the story? All right. So here's the thing, dude. For me, it's obviously what's the story? Morning Glory. Um, just because I think there's like, there's probably like more songs I fucking absolutely froth on there. Uh, you know, like your acquiesce, cast no shadow, like uh, so many great songs, but I tell you, but here's the thing, definitely maybe has great songs as well, but here's what gets it over the line for me. And it's not necessarily the albums. It's the live performances because you got main road and Earl's court, which are after what's the story morning glory. And I love those performances. And so for me, having those like iconic performances like to froth on with all this, and they play heaps of Definitely Maybe on there as well. But with the What's the Story Morning Glory songs, fuck yeah, dude. I love it. This is going to be a long one because I completely forgot I have to talk about the ashes. So anyway, all right. So here's the deal, dude. Obviously, we won inside three days. Awesome. Love it. I'll start with my redactions um, or retractions, whatever the word is. Anyway, obviously the big one is Travis Head. Okay. He got 150 off like 150 balls. You know, Travis Head, I was not convinced going in. And to be honest, I'm not 1 million percent sold on Travis Head still because, you know, we had passed their total by the time he came in and you know, he got a lot of runs off like Joe Root and the old ball. And it wasn't like the craziest thing I've ever seen. But at the same time, it also was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was an insane hundred. Um, I actually watched his whole hundred live because it only took him like an hour to get it. So it was very easy to watch. And it was such a sick moment when he got it. You could tell it meant so much to him. Um, and also, this is the great thing about cricket. I don't think Travis Head is necessarily 
a long-term test batsman, you know, until he gets like proper runs when the going gets tough, you know, like pink ball Adelaide this week, Anderson and broad back. That's the perfect opportunity for him to prove himself in my books. But here's the thing. This is the great thing about cricket. As my dad always says, it's black and white. Cricket is black and white. It's so numbers based. If someone is doing well or they're not doing well at all, You know, up until now, Travis Head has just done all right, which is why we're all talking about him. But now, he got 150 off 150 balls, won us the test match without a doubt, okay? If we get knocked over for 220, that's a different game. One million percent, that's a different game. But now, Travis Head has knocked over 150 off 150 balls. And now, my opinion, it's not invalid, my opinion, it just doesn't matter, and neither does yours, neither does Shane Warnes, neither does Michael Clarks or, or you know, Gus Wallen or any of it. None of it matters because he just got 150 of 150 balls. And guess what he averages for this series? 150. So Travis Head will, without a doubt, play every test match this series and he'll get picked for the next, se- the next series after that because he fucking deserves it, Okay. So I'm very happy to be wrong on Travis Head. So happy to be wrong. Um, at the end of the day, my thoughts on individual players are based on what I've seen of them so far. And make no mistake, I ride for Australia no matter what. Okay? If freaking Saddam Hussein opened the batting for Australia and got a gritty hundred on a green deck, I'd be on here saying I fucking love Saddam Hussein. Okay, so you know what I mean? I'm so happy to be wrong about these predictions. It's fine. I just want to see Australia do well. Cam Green, next retraction. I thought he bowled pretty well. I said he didn't look like taking a wicket last summer, which I didn't really think he did. But I think now, I, I, I thought he bowled some really valuable overs in the last in the last test. Really valuable overs. So fair play to Cam Green. Still got, still needs to get those runs, obviously. Marnus is still a god. I'm shocked. England and their decision to not play Broad and Anderson in the first test. That's the problem with England. I honestly think English culture has an issue with winning. And I know I tee off on the palms regularly, but what is doing? Like they invented cricket and they invented football or soccer for some of my Queensland listeners but they they haven't won they've won one world cup and they haven't been world beaters in cricket since the 80s I think they had a couple good years maybe five years ago but they were never ranked number one they've never like just you know teed off on us for a few years what is going on in that country they've got to sort it out they keep inventing sports and then the freaking the 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 people they control get better at them so I don't know if it's if it's the thing where like the prison guards in Australia weren't training as hard as the prisoners with the red ball back in the day, or I'm not sure what to make of it, dude. But England has a problem with winning. But in saying that, I actually kind of really like this English team in its own way. I think I think we will absolutely dust these blokes this, this summer. I think it's pretty obvious. But make no mistake, when we go to England next. It's going to be fucking on for young and old, especially if we have the same batting lineup. 
I really like Ollie Robinson. I really, really like Mark Wood. Um, I really like Josh Butler at seven. I thought even though he only made 40 in the first innings, I really liked it. Wood is quick. Ollie Robinson's like your back of a length guy. They didn't even play Broad and Anderson. I don't know why. But I think, honestly, what you're going to see if Broad and Anderson play the majority of the next few test matches, which I hope they will. So I think what you're going to see over the next few tests, and I would like to think that England are going to play Broad and Anderson for the next three test matches, what you're going to see is two of the best bowling attacks going around because Jack Leach will be dropped and they'll play Robinson, Wood, Broad, Anderson with the pink ball in Adelaide. I think you'll see two of the best bowling attacks in world cricket go at it and two of the more fragile batting lineups face each other. And I think we'll find out a bit more who's who. Because keep in mind in that first innings, when we were chasing 147, we got to 160 with Warner and Marnus there. Then we lost five for 60. Okay? So this was not a flawless performance. But obviously Jack Leach was hit out of the attack. Fair play. Uh, that guy honestly sucks. Okay, as soon as he came on, I said to Adzi here at the pad, I said, if anyone this series gets out LBW to Jack Leach, who has never turned a ball on record, unforgivable, must be dropped immediately. And then Jack Leach just got pogoed to all points. So absolutely fuck Jack Leach. Just a real, like, he's obviously a pretty funny guy, but I just don't think he's like necessarily... You cannot be a defensive spinner at test level and think you're going to get away with it. You know, Nathan Lyon, like Rangana Herat, these guys, they turn and bounce the ball, you know? You're not going to get to play on dust balls every time. You must find a way to get wickets on, to get first innings wickets and to get wickets on pitches that don't suit spin, okay? That's what Nathan Lyon has been able to do. That's why Nathan Lyon bowls with so much top spin. Because he knows in the first innings at majority of Australian wickets, there's not going to be much turn. That's why he gets up and over, bloke in your face around the bat, looking for that bat pad action. Okay? Jack Leach, I'm sorry, what, a, what is with English spinners? Graham Swan was attacking. Graham Swan was there to take your wicket, ripping it. But all these other spinners like Moeen Ali, I mean, Moeen Ali was like a, he was a batting all-rounder. Jack Leach, like, it's like he's not threatening. You're not threatening anyone, mate. You know? I know he got Steve Smith out a couple of times, but Smithy didn't respect him at all. So, looking forward to the rest of the series, and I'll throw this past you just quickly, okay? Going forward, right, the MCG for the last five years has been, without a doubt, the most disappointing wicket of the year. And I know Shane Warne, his, his, his bloody beautiful piece would go inside him, hear me saying this. And Shane Warne was petitioning for Melbourne to have a second test match. They wanted He wanted Melbourne to take the fifth test match over Hobart. I mean, I'm no fan of Tassie, but God, give these poor, give these poor suckers a break, would you, Shane? Okay? And Shane Warne keeps talking about the MCG, the home of cricket, the most iconic test match on the planet. And I don't disagree with either of those statements. But until the MCG can work out what the fuck's going on with that pitch, I literally have zero interest in watching cricket there as far as it being on the television. I've been down to the Boxing Day test before and absolutely loved it. But remember, I think it was last year or the year before, 
first, like literally maybe third ball of the whole test match bounced on the way to Tim Payne. And it's just garbage. The wicket at the MCG is disgraceful. Okay, they need to either put some put some grass on it, chuck the hose on, whatever you need to do. So I, I agree that it's the home of cricket and it's it's absolutely iconic. But sort it out. I'm telling you, if that wicket's dead this year, I'm fucking I'm writing in. I'm writing in. So anyway, that is the end of the podcast. Um I don't know how long this will be when I sort of get my hands on this sober tomorrow, but please take a genuine heartfelt thank you from me for listening this year. The podcast has grown quite a bit and I really appreciate it. You know, it's a solo podcast and, you know, I don't have like a producer or anything. So, you know, there's weeks where I think, dude, this sucks. Like, what are you doing? And then, you know, some of you absolute legends will message me being like, I love the podcast this week. And it really does sort of fucking, you know, get me through it. Or not get me through it. Like, it's not like a hardship, but like, just perks me up a bit. And I really appreciate it. So, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone who put me on their Spotify wrapped. I got heaps of messages about that. Like, some people listen to every episode available twice this year. They went through the whole thing twice. And stuff like that, I just think like, I think the record was like 11,000 minutes of Get Around Me. And it was like, dude, this is insane. Like, I got some proper ride or die cunts out here. And I love it. So, thank you guys. I think 2022 is going to be a good year for me. Kind of feel like the bases are loaded in my life in many ways. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. You know what I mean? If something's going to happen with this stand-up thing, probably needs to happen for me next year. So let's fucking, you know what I mean? I'm kind of excited to see what happens. So very excited for next year. Um, thanks for listening. Have the best Christmas break ever. Love you guys so much. And uh, I'll see you in 2022. Tools down. I think the first episode of the year will be like January 14 or something. January, yeah, I think maybe January 13 or 14. Okay, so I'm taking a month off and uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that's that, dude. Have a good one. Way too long, way too long. Yeah.